Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at CFGI. This is the program where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I was just reading recently that currently millennials are the largest component of the workforce, and in about two years, they're going to be one half, and in about 10 years, about three quarters of the workforce. So if you haven't thought about how to work effectively with millennials, it's about time you started to do that. Today, I have a guest who's going to help us to talk about exactly those issues, and she is a millennial coach and leadership development expert. I'm pleased to welcome Melissa Carpenter, who's the founder and CEO of Everything's Not Okay and That's Okay. And that's a mouthful, but it's it a is. very cool name for a business. Welcome, <laughs> Thank Melissa. You. Thanks Thank for, you for joining me. me. Tell us a little bit about what you do and then a little bit about the name, which is very unique. Sure. Thanks for asking. So it's interesting. My background is in higher education. So I worked at college and universities for about 12 to 13 years. And just during that time, I worked with faculty and staff and students. And I would see a lot of students in the hallway just saying, everything is great. I did really well on that test. I got that internship. Like, my life is going really well. And then they would come into my office and just say, everything's not okay. You know, the breakdown in tears. I failed this test. I just, I did so badly on this interview. I don't think it went well. And it just got me thinking about being more transparent, right? This idea of everything's not okay. And that's okay. We just have to make Make some more steps and make progress towards the change. And I think once we get rid of that facade, we're able to make changes for ourselves and it really helps other people make change and see kind of behind that highlight reel of what we call our life. Yeah. So what inspired you to become sort of a specialist, if you will, for, for millennials? Yeah. It's interesting. I love, I'm a millennial, so I obviously love our generation and Gen Z to come. And I think a lot of it is just being misunderstood and changing that dialogue. We hear lazy and entitled a lot. And to be able to be a part of that change, we're losing a lot. A lot of companies reach out in terms of retention and engagement and recruiting highly effective millennials. And I, I love to be a part of helping organizations make that shift and make that change to help their employees stay there or when they're there, keep them engaged and get the most out of what they can bring. Yeah, that's good stuff. And you and I have talked before, so I think you know where, where I stand on this issue. Um, and I'm ha I happen to be a fan of millennials for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I've hired them and helped to train them and so forth. And yeah, it's a little bit uh, different initially, you know, showing up in the workforce with earbuds, for example, and <laughs> you think they're tuned out, but, but they're not. They're yeah. actually more tuned in than some of the more seasoned workers. And what I've learned in talking with millennials and working with them over my career is that um, all the things that they're uh, getting criticized for in terms of their aspirations uh, are actually things that the more seasoned workers really wanted in mm -hmm. the first place, too. They want to be part of something bigger. Why don't you talk a little bit about you know what really drives and motivates millennials yeah. today? And I think you hit the nail on the head just about we all want the same thing. We all hopefully want our organization to prosper. We all hopefully want to do really well in the workplace. We just show it differently and may value different things within those experiences. And it's difficult. So obviously Gen Xers and baby boomers want to be with their family and they don't want work necessarily to be their life. But things have shifted. There's more millennials. We're more vocal about it. Because as we were brought up, we were told our voice mattered. We can make a difference. And you see a lot of things with millennials and now Gen Z just being more vocal in that space. 
in order to recruit and retain and engage millennials, it's important to understand where they're coming from and, and what they want. And a lot of it is just miscommunication. So when you're talking about the earbuds in, not being tuned in, they know what's going on. They know what's on the ground. We just find it really difficult if your office hours are 9 to 5. Why do we need to physically be in the space from 9 to 5 if we can do our work from home or a coffee shop or traveling somewhere? It's really difficult to see why we need to be in that physical space. And you'll see just miscommunication, and it's just a cause of contention between some of the seasoned workers where that's what they're used to. So we're more vocal about can we move locations? Can we do different things and shaking things up? a little bit. Yeah, why not? Right. Let's talk about the communication aspect. Yeah. That, that's probably one of the biggest disconnects that, mm -hmm. that I've seen. What's your advice for, for both sides of the conversation, for the millennial as well as the more seasoned worker? I think it all starts with a conversation, even just how do you like to be communicated with? I think oftentimes we make assumptions, and I've worked with different organizations where one of the employees wrote an article that millennials like texting and baby boomers liked face-to-face, -face, so they went textbook and talked face-to-face -to, -face to baby boomers and were texting with millennials, and that's not always the case. Statistics will show that everybody actually prefers face-to-face, -face, which is interesting. We just go about it a different way and don't necessarily know how to communicate in that way. So just starting out with a conversation, how do you like to be communicated with? And what is the consistency of communication? What type of communication is needed through instant message or texting or email or face-to-face? -face? I think we just make a ton of assumptions about what people want or what type of communication should be for different things in the workplace. And it, then that definitely causes contention for sure. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about who you actually are working closely with. Are you working mm -hmm. with individuals on, uh, at the millennial level? Or are you working inside organizations to do the broader picture? Both. Okay. So I primarily work with companies and organizations in a larger capacity. So whether it's keynote speaking or training, a lot of the times it's seasoned workers asking, how do I better communicate? How do I work with millennials? And now companies are realizing that the retention rate is lower. Millennials stay about 18 to 24 months. So now they're putting a lot of money, time, effort, and resources into training millennials because a lot to keep them there is they want the opportunity to learn and go, grow. So providing those resources and providing that training for them to really stand out. So it's kind of twofold. But with that approach, I think everybody needs to be in the same space. We can't just train people in isolation or have conversations in isolation. Millennials need to be in the room with the baby boomers, with the Gen Xers. We can't say, talk to them this way without actually having the conversation because yeah. individuals make up the generation. Sure. If people want to learn more about what you do and how they can perhaps engage you, mm -hmm. how can they contact you? Sure. Through my website at notokaythatsokaycoach.com. Okay, say that one more time. Not okay, that's okay, coach.com. Great, thanks. So let, let's talk about the, the training component, mm -hmm. right? Where do both sides, we'll call it both sides of the conversation, actually meet? Do they meet in the middle or is an organization trying to pull the millennials towards their way of thinking and, and vice versa? How does that land? I think it definitely depends on the organization. And some people will reach out to me in more of a proactive sense of things are looking great now, but we just want to be proactive and make sure we're communicating. And then some organizations will reach out and just say, we're having so many clashes. We're having so many issues. Can you come in and help us fix the problem? And a lot of it is bending and flexing. We can't expect millennials to bend to baby boomers and baby boomers to bend to our millennials. We have to kind of 
meet in the middle to understand. So we need to learn and keep up with the technology, but some things are done and done well that don't necessarily need to be adjusted. So I think it's about kind of meeting in the middle and coming to a compromise or identifying what type of communication works for a specific method. So asking people through your internal instant messaging system, all the information that you need is not necessarily appropriate because it goes away pretty quickly. Maybe it's an email, maybe it's a face-to-face conversation. So we have to kind of meet in the middle and diagnose what type of communication makes sense for a problem or an issue or a conversation. Early on, you mentioned something about the perception of entitlement and lazy, (laughs) two of the biggest myths really around millennials. So if you're talking to uh, a seasoned leader and they're using those terms, what do you say to them to bust those myths? I ask for a situation. So I ask for what are some things that your employees are doing that are showing you that millennials are lazy, millennials are entitled. And oftentimes it's at three o'clock, it seems like my millennial employees are tuning out, they're playing games, they're texting on their phone, they're not participating in teamwork. So it's then having that conversation of do they know that they should be working in a team? Are you having conversations about teamwork? Are you modeling to them that you really want to work together and help each other once they're done their work that they should go on to something else? And is there professional development that they could be doing during that time? A lot of it is just the perception. And on the flip side, millennials need to know that they need to do something about it. This is how your peers are seeing you, that you're shutting the door and just playing video games or doing whatever you need to do. But I like to ask for an experience or situation so I can really understand where they're coming from? Or did you just read this in an article somewhere that all millennials are, we're the worst, right? So what are situations that you're dealing with that we can kind of hammer in on? Yeah. Any other myths that you want to address right now that you can bust? I think a lot of times we talk about retention. So we talk about just millennials staying that 18 to 24 months. Like what, what's wrong with millennials? Why are we not having loyalty to organizations? But to me, it works both ways, right? Like what is that company and organization doing to show loyalty? We don't have pensions the way we used to. We don't have the gold watches like my grandfather and great grandfather had, right? That's not a thing. The job market is really hot and it's really easy for somebody to go find another job. So without a coaching and mentoring supervisor, without professional development, an opportunity to learn and grow without giving back to the community and showing that your organization really wants to do good within the community, you're going to lose people. So to me, it's it's a two-way conversation and having those conversations with millennials or whomever, as soon as they come in, what can we do to keep you here? Because if we're not proactively having those conversations, they're out the door because there's no reason in their mind to stay. Yeah, and rightfully so, probably. Great point. On that note, we've got to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after we pay a few bills. (laughs) 856-226-4800. When did you see the sign? When I needed to create a better visitor experience. Improve our workflow. Attract new customers. That's when FastSigns recommended fleet graphics. Yeah, now business is rolling in. Get started at FastSigns.com. What do I want to be when I grow up? Maybe a musician? A veterinarian? Maybe an equestrian? A mommy? Well, why not be all these things and more? Consider joining me, Dr. V, with friends and colleagues as we explore a wide range of topics together. V is for Variety, here on RVN TV. 
Richard. <laughs> oh. Is that too hard for you? No. Is it too hard for you? Woo! We're playing catch now. <laughs> oh, shit. should you choose Rowan College at Gloucester County? Low cost. The number one nursing program in all of New Jersey. More than 70 programs of study, including selective admissions. With record enrollment. A premier partnership with Rowan University. Transfer options with numerous universities. Four-year degree options on our campus. Rowan College at Gloucester County. Now you're thinking. back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. Today we're talking about millennials in the workplace with my guest Alyssa Carpenter, founder and CEO of Everything's Not Okay and That's Okay. So Alyssa, great conversation before the break. Uh, I want to start off the second segment here by talking about two things that I personally think are really exciting for you. Uh, number one, you recently did a TED Talk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us about that and when we'll expect to see it. So it should be released within the next two to three weeks. It was a great experience. Um, it's definitely something that was so different. Um, and we talked about this before too. It's just so different from anything I've done. I've done a lot of keynote speaking. I've done a lot of training, but this to me was, was a stretch, which I love to kind of push myself to a different level, but it was hard to figure out exactly what to talk about, what would resonate and what stories and what images. So I'm excited. And it's called humanize your workplace. One conversation at a time. Uh, so by the time this program airs, uh, Plus or minus a couple of days, you're. To I hope so. Yeah. Uh, are you able to tell us a little bit, a little bit of a teaser about it beyond the title? Sure. It was interesting. So you hear a little bit more about my experiences and un one unfortunate situation where um, somebody called out just the physical appearance in terms of how we were working with one another and how that's really shifted the dialogue and how I have conversations with other people. And we say the phrase a lot: treat others the way that we want to be treated, but. It sounds great on the surface, but in reality, that's how we want to be treated and not how others want to be treated. So I use the mantra and talk to clients about treat others the way they want to be treated. So I walk you through kind of three steps of how you can treat others the way they want to be treated by understanding their values and appreciating where they're coming from. That's good stuff. Can't wait to see it. Nice. Now let's talk about a book. You've got yes. a book that's coming out too as well. When, when is that happening? I just submitted it to the publisher for editing. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Um, it'll be out in spring of 2020. And it's the working title now is Humanize Your Workplace. And it's around the same kind of concepts 
steps in terms of talking with people who think and who act and who experience life differently from you. Okay. So as I'm hearing this and thinking, so a millennial, right? Uh Uh, Far from lazy, (laughs) far from entitled, (laughs) right? Uh, And clearly an expert. So for the folks who are watching, if you're looking to talk to an expert on millennials in the workforce, how can people reach out to you? Sure. My website at notokthatsokaycoach.com. I'm also really active on Twitter. So notokthatsokay. Very good. Yeah, people almost can't help but find you on social media. It's good stuff. Let, let's jump back into millennials in the workplace a little bit, and let's talk about a situation where the seasoned worker now finds themselves reporting up to a millennial. Mm-hmm. What are the challenges you've seen, and, and how did we overcome that? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because we categorize millennials as young people just entering the workforce or have little experience. I'm almost 36, and I'm a millennial. So we're talking just to, so everybody's aware, it's 1980 to 1996. So it's a huge span. So you have employees who are just entering the workforce, and then you have people who are middle management or potentially CEOs of, smarter, of smaller companies. So it's a wide range. But you'll find it's, it's difficult at first, depending on what organization you're in. If you're reporting to an employee who seems like they have a lot less experience than you have, seems like they don't know what they're talking about. And I've had people who've had really positive, non-confrontational experiences. And I worked with clients who, from the very beginning, just struggled because people just look at them and say, why did we hire you? I applied for this role. This is just not going to work out. And from the beginning, they almost set up for failure and feel like they're just trying, they're just drowning and they're trying to find that, that life vest. And I think one of the first things to do if that's your situation is just call out the elephant in the room. Let people know I might be younger and just own up to it. You know, like don't brush anything under the rug. But the people who've been within the organization, those seasoned workers have so much value that they can bring and they can help you within the role and communicate to them that I very much appreciate your experience. You know so much about this organization. I really value where you're coming from. Can we partner on these projects? Can we work together? I can learn a lot from you. So really showing and sharing that you appreciate people and not think that you're better than or can do more than. You need each other in order to succeed. And has it been your experience that if the seasoned workers really find that that message resonates, that they're more likely to buy in? They are. It's going to take some time. So it's nothing that happens overnight. And I've had clients who were called out in very public situations where people are saying, I have no idea why we hired you. You're so young. You can't bring anything. And then that individual asked to be mentored. And then they kind of had a reverse mentoring experience, which is a mutually beneficial partnership. So it takes time. If you do your work, you do it well. You show that your team is really collaborative and you work as a whole, you'll be able to move up and be able to show your value. But if you're constantly trying to one-up the seasoned workers because you're your supervisor, you're not going to get anywhere. So show them that they're valued. Show them that you appreciate them. And it will it will take time. You have to build trust. You have to build that relationship with them. What can leadership do, the folks that are, say, above them, both of those individuals on the org chart, to more smooth and facilitate a uh, a relationship between the millennial and the more seasoned worker? What can they do? I think they can first provide training, provide coaching, provide conversations. A lot of organizations I work with also have what's called a skip level meeting. So you would report to your immediate supervisor to have those conversations about how you're doing in the nitty gritty in the day to day. Those skip level meetings are with your supervisor's supervisor. So you're having conversations on how you can grow and how you can develop, getting that mentorship at that other level. I think if you're just letting that person person sink or swim and never providing support, it's going to be really hard for them to be able to succeed within the organization. 
Shifting gears, mm -hmm. you're not just working around millennial issues, correct? It's more large organizational issues as well. Yes, a lot of it has to do with communication. So a lot of people will bring up communication within generations and job functions, but there's also change. You have people who are working in different locations. So how do we break down those barriers, create more accessibility, create more teamwork, and how do you identify strengths to build teams? Let's talk a little bit about the remote workforce. Mm -hmm. What's your counsel there? It's tough. Um, so I work with a lot of organizations. I was just um, working with a plant where they have people just in different locations doing different tasks and administrative work. So I'll coach them and counsel them and have different training on what are you doing to provide a teamwork, provide value, to be accessible within people. Are you having open office hours? So just gauging how do you build team, how do you build camaraderie, how do you build an idea of what the mission and vision is within the organization when you don't see people. So doing things on a consulting basis and doing things with training with organizations to help them bring people together who are not physically with one another. So if you're a leader of an office that's mm -hmm. part of a, we'll call it a national practice model with you know, different locations throughout the country, how often should that leader physically show up or is it more important to bring uh, some of the remote workers to you. What's your counsel I think you there? can do it either way. And sometimes it depends on the size of the organization and the budget of the organization. At the very least, you should be using Skype or FaceTime or some way that you're physically able to see the person that you work for. And there's so many people that are clients of mine who've actually never physically met their supervisors or have never really seen them in person. I think having quarterly trainings or an annual something where everybody's physically in the same spot, whether it's going to the corporate office or doing a treat so everybody can see one another because once you're in that space too you can gauge who gets along who doesn't get along who's having that conversation it's hard to see it virtually and I think if you have a meeting in a location where one of your employees are at try to meet them for lunch try to think outside of the box of ways that you can get to see people other than them coming to you and you coming to them if you're in the area for a particular reason if there's a professional development or a conference in some area can you meet up can you meet at the conference Think about other ways if the budget's really tight. Is it really possible to build a relationship and build trust with people in other cities if you see them four or five, six times a year? Pick a number. You're not working oh, yeah. with them every day. How, how do you do it? How do you really build the relationship? Yeah. I think it, it comes down to talking with them and getting to know them. You can't really get to know people or read the tonality of an email or a text message. You have to physically be able to see them, whether it's through the FaceTime or through Skype, get to know them. I talk a lot about doing virtual happy hours or ordering your team lunch, have them expense a lunch and you hang out online and are talking with each other. Make everything not just about work. Get to know people for who they are, what they bring to the table, what they're interested in. I love one-on-ones, whether it's 15 minutes a week or you, know, you do it every other week. If you're not talking to people and gauging their interest as a team, you're not gonna get anywhere. So making time to have those virtual things. It can be a virtual fitness challenge or virtual book club. Like think about things a little bit differently. It's not all about work. That's a great suggestion. So I've been a part of larger organizations with that national mm -hmm. practice model and we would always do an offsite. It would be for several days. Everybody would gather in some, we'll call it mutually inconvenient location. <laughs> and the, the program in, included some education where some of the team members could collaborate to present. Uh, that gave them an opportunity to work together. Yeah. Uh, social aspect of it and some team building aspects of it. And a lot of people initially groan when they hear the team building component. What's your view on, on the, the team building exercises? 
What, what's the yeah. best way to think about it? It's funny. It? it doesn't have to be these cheesy, you know, team building exercises. And sometimes you're team building without realizing you're team building. You don't have to call it that. Um, oftentimes I'll start a workshop with you're building a roller coaster out of different cards and it's just to see how you kind of work together. A lot of people do axe throwing, like some fun things like that. But really an awesome idea for team building is giving back to the community. So finding, having your team decide on a local organization that you want to do a day of service with, an hour of service, a food drive or something is just a way to bring people together. So it doesn't have to be something cheesy. It's just a way for people to get to know one another and just have conversations that move past what are we doing on this project? What's going on? It's, it's just getting to know each other in that different way. Uh, among the videos that you have online, one of them uh, is regarding creativity. Mm -hmm. How important is creativity in the workplace today? Huge. Right? So if we don't have creativity, if we don't have innovation, we're not getting anywhere. I think it's tough if you've done things in an organization for a long time, it seems to be working. It's hard to push the needle a little bit, and especially with seasoned workers who've been there for a while and seen the success of that. Um, but it's hard to get people to be creative in the way that you want them to be creative. So I've been to so many meetings where people are like, let's get together and let's brainstorm. And not everybody thinks like that, right? Not everybody can think on the spot and say, oh, yeah, I have these great ideas. So when I talk with clients, it's about giving them this opportunity to pre-brainstorm. So what are we going to be talking about in this meeting? What do you want from me? So then you can sit back in your own way and pre-brainstorm and think of ideas. So then you're more proactive and you have that space to take the ideas to the next level. So creativity is there. You just have to be open to it. You have to have those conversations and ask people how they think. How, how are you creative? Do you need time? Do you need your own space? Do you like to think through it as a group? Yeah, and I think it's a lot of it's nomenclature, right? Yeah. So if people hear the word creativity, um, they think, well, I'm not a creative type. Yeah. Right? You think crayons, painting. Exactly. Uh, but it's really about innovating. Mm -hmm. And you hit it on the head. If you're saying something like, well, that's the way we've always done it, so that's the way we're always going to mm -hmm. continue to do it, uh, you're either lazy or stupid, <laughs> in, yeah. in my view. So if you're a millennial, go back to the millennials, if you're a millennial and, millennial and you're on the receiving end of that kind of dialogue. This is the way we've always done yep. it. Just do it that way. How, how do you advise them to process yeah. that? What can they do to overcome that naive thinking? It's tough because it's happened to me several times and my clients and you just shut down a little bit and think, is it me? Is it my idea? What, you know, what's going on? And do I really want to work for an organization that doesn't value moving forward? That doesn't value my ideas. But on the flip side, as a millennial, sometimes I hear people that we come in guns blazing of, I have this idea, we're going to do this, we're going to do it this way. And it doesn't work like that. So there are things to take from something that's been successful with the organization and be able to say, yes, and we could do this, or that's cool, maybe we could also add this. So it doesn't have to be your whole new cool idea. Maybe you're building on what's already there and adding different pieces or trying out different things. So respect where they're coming from, respect the ideas that are there, and try to put different kind of pins in different areas of where it can go. Because it's not gonna go from zero to a thousand in five minutes because that's where we want it to go. Things are gonna take time, things are gonna have to progress depending on the bureaucracy or how things work in your organization, there might be seven, seven or 10 boxes to check, or maybe they already tried those things. So just be aware your cool idea might not be your cool idea. It might, might have happened before and not worked. So get that there's a history and there's a story behind there. Great point. And I think we have about two minutes to go here. So I want to touch on one more thing mm -hmm. with regard to communication. And you alluded to it earlier about millennials being perceived as communicating with their thumbs by text message. And one of the things that I've seen in the workplace is 
uh, for whatever reason, millennials are less comfortable in um, you know, communication, direct communication with their coworkers or clients. Mm -hmm. And in a client-facing kind of a role, that's obviously critical. Yeah. So what advice would you offer millennials in terms of helping them to beef up, we'll call it their verbal communication skills? It's interesting. And that's one of the biggest complaints I hear from other employees is just the interpersonal skills are lacking. Because oftentimes you see people on the phone and think that they're not communicating, and they are in their own way. I also think it's the job of a seasoned worker or finding a mentor. How can I talk with people? Really learning those interpersonal skills, really understanding those nonverbal cues about how to have those conversations. It's tough, and really all generations prefer face-to-face. -face. We just don't know how to do it. Things like LinkedIn Learning are really great for those things, taping yourself, talking to someone, just seeing what your nonverbal cues look like, and being able to look back. And if you're not sure, just, just ask. Interpersonal skills is huge. And being able to talk to somebody and stand up in a crowd of people and have a conversation, that's how you're going to get your ideas heard. That's how people are going to see your value is having those really great interpersonal skills. Yeah, and part of it falls back to leadership and management to communicate downward or laterally to, or upward to millennials <laughs> in terms of helping them to understand, like you just said, what's important in their role and then, I guess, bigger picture, why that matters. Yes, and that's the key, right? So if we say these three things are important, why are they important? What are they going to get me in the future when you're talking about millennials? How is it going to progress the organization? How is it going to bring the vision? Where do we see this? And then model that behavior. We can't just say why things are important and show that they're, we need to actually show that we value interpersonal skills as a team leader, as a manager, really emulate what you're looking for for them. Yeah, great stuff. Alyssa, thank you so much for being my Thanks guest for today. Me. Today, our guest was, Alyssa Carpenter, CEO and founder of Everything's Not Okay and That's Okay. My name is Dave Bookbinder. Until next time, we'll see you on Behind the Numbers. Take care.